slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, we have got a lot to get to here on this Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Big game this past Saturday, uh, a tough overtime loss to the Boston Bruins. We'll have a full analysis and break that one down. We also have a full preview of the game against the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden tonight in what should be the first of three meetings between these rivals coming up in the next week and a half. We'll also have a big day for Mike Bossy on this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more to talk about with regards to this Islanders team. Remember, if you want to join the conversation, you have a question, a comment, send us an email. The email address, as always, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name, where you're from, if you have a question, a topic you want us to discuss, a comment about something we've already talked about on the air. Uh, just leave your name, where you're from, and we'll be happy to credit you on the air and talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also send uh, follow the show on Twitter, at Locked on Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all things happening around the world of the New York Islanders. Alright, so let's turn our attention to the game in uh, Brooklyn on Saturday. Islanders and Bruins. Tuka Rask in goal for Boston. Simeon Varlamov in between the pipes for the Islanders. Scratches for the Islanders. Sebastian Ajo, who was called back up from Bridgeport for this game, then sent back down so he could play for Bridgeport yesterday. And Ross Johnston, also a scratch for the Islanders. All right, Islanders came out playing good, strong hockey, and they got on the board first. Uh, Matthew Barzal really set up this goal, taking the puck wide behind the goal, drew a couple of defensemen toward him, then feathered a pass out to Scott Mayfield at the point. He let go a good wrist shot, and it beat a screened Tuka Rask. And I think the key to this goal, both Bailey and Bavillier making traffic in front of that Boston net, and that's what really made this goal possible. And I don't think Rask saw it until the last minute. Good, accurate shot by Mayfield. It's his fifth from Barzal and Noah Dobson at 436, and the Islanders had the quick one to nothing lead. First, uh, you know, six minutes or so of this game, Islanders had five of the first seven shots on goal and were playing some very solid hockey. But <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, you know, only able to get that one goal early. Islanders did have a power play chance. 
Charlie McAvoy, the native Long Islander, hooking Brock Nelson at 12:31, and the Islanders unable to cash in. Um, did not get a shot on goal, and yet despite that, uh, 14 of the first 16 shots on goal in this game were taken by the Islanders. They were out shooting Boston by a 14-2 margin with a few minutes left in the first period. And good goaltending by Tuka Rask. And again, if you're looking at it from an Islanders fan perspective, the Islanders' failure to take advantage of this dominant first period and cash in another goal is really a problem for this team. It is very good that you play a dominant period like that at home against a first-place quality opponent like the Bruins, but when you are out shooting your opponent 14-2, you should have more than a one to nothing lead. At the end of the period, shots were 14-5 for the Islanders, and the Islanders did not have a shot on goal in the last seven and a half minutes, roughly, of that first period. So, you know, the first 13 minutes, 14 shots on goal, and then all of a sudden, it was like the air came out of the tires offensively. And after 20 minutes, one nothing Islanders, but really could have been a lot better if you're an Islanders fan. And uh, look, it did not didn't happen. Just the one goal. Now, the Islanders had a chance in the opening seconds of the second period to get uh, another goal. Barzal, with a good setup, finds Beauvillier. He went down toward the crease, cut inside, but Tukaras got his skate on the puck and made a big save, and voila, the game was still even at one apiece. Midway through the period, however, Jake DeBrusque gets the equalizer for Boston. It's his 14th of the year from Anders Bjork and Charlie McAvoy, the Long Island native. Uh, the goal comes at 8.33, and it tied the game at 1. Some questions as to whether Bjork was interfering with Varlamov, but the referees did not overturn that one, and the Islanders did not challenge it either, so... Basically speaking, the score was even at 1-1. Now, the Islanders had to kill a penalty. Scott Mayfield off for roughing Charlie Coyle with 5.53 left in the second period, so 14.07, the time of the uh, penalty. And Varlamov came up with one spectacular save on this penalty kill, just a a great move. It was a wraparound attempt by Pasternak and Varlamov, able to get basically his uh, body back into position and his stick back into position. And Pasternak did not really get a great angle on his wraparound attempt, but good awareness, good anticipation, good speed in his crease laterally by Varlamov and he was able to come up with the big save. They kill the penalty shot, uh, the pen power play off, and basically managed to keep this a 1-1 hockey game. Islanders had a couple of more chances later on in the period. Matthew Barzal, 
wanted a penalty called as he headed toward the goal with about four minutes left, but none called. Carlo was all over him, but uh, no call. Islanders disappointed with that. And then Dal Cole had a shot after a nice setup by Devon Taves, but the shot was way off the mark, well wide. And again, 1-1 after two periods, shots on goal, 25-16 to in favor of the Islanders. Islanders had, again, while they didn't have as many shots on goal in this period, they had 11, uh, not able to cash in, missed a lot of other quality scoring chances with wide shots, and when they did find a shot on goal, it was Tuka Rask coming up big. Varlamov, as I mentioned, came up with some very good saves, and as a result, it was a 1-1 hockey game after 40 minutes. All right, we're going to break down the third period of this game. We'll have this date in Islanders history and a preview of tonight's game against the Rangers. All this and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so the third period, a bit of a problem uh, for the Islanders sometimes in, in recent games, and it didn't get off to a particularly good start for the Islanders this time. John Moore ends up scoring what is only his second goal of the year. Danton Heinen and Charlie Coyle with the helpers at 548 of the third period, and suddenly the road team has a 2-1 to lead over the Islanders, the puck going underneath Varlamov's pads in a goal that he probably should have had. Kind of disappointed in the way this one was for Varlamov, but it was the only bad goal he really gave up, and and all of a sudden, the Islanders are in trouble, but they get the puck back. Josh Bailey sets up the goal with a beautiful pass to Matthew Barzal. Barzal ends up poking the puck, nice deflective redirection, past Tuka Rask. Barzal's 17th from Bailey at 9.33. Bailey ends a seven-game pointless streak. And for Barzal, believe it or not, his first goal in eight games. So those are definitely positive signs for the New York Islanders. You definitely need some of these uh, top players, your, your, your forwards that you're relying on to score, to be productive. They haven't been lately. And again, the Islanders get back on track, tie the game at two, and we end up heading for overtime. 40 seconds in, Brock Nelson takes a tripping penalty. He uh, takes down Brad Marchand. Now look, in overtime, usually, not literally, but close to no blood, no foul, unless you have an obvious penalty where there's a scoring chance or blood is drawn, or it's just so blatant that they, you know, have to call it. They're going to let it go. Nelson wasn't happy with this tripping call. No question about that. And the Islanders suddenly had to kill off a penalty. And worst of all, of course, in overtime, it's a four-on-three power play rather than a five-on-four. More room out there to maneuver, uh, and that benefits the team with the extra attacker even more. So Islanders had to... uh, kill off this penalty, and that got tougher too, 
Pasternak lets go a bullet of a shot, and Sezikis blocks it. He goes down, and suddenly the Islanders are also without one of their best penalty killers as Sezikis had to skate off the ice. Didn't take long after that. Not a lot the Islanders could do. Patrice Bergeron, his 19th from Tory Krug and Tuka Rask also getting an assist at 133 of overtime. Um, you know, the Islanders had three defenders out there. Two of them went to Krug in the in on one side of the ice. That set up a mini two-on-one for Bergeron, and he is able to beat Varlamov and get the game winner. And, uh, you know, that was the end of that. Islanders get a point, but Boston ends up with the victory. And kudos to Barry Trotz. I will say this. After the game, he was asked uh, about the tripping call on Brock Nelson in overtime. And here's his quote. It was a penalty. That's my reaction. He spun off. It looked like a penalty. So... Not a lot that the uh, Islanders could do. They pick up one point, and that is certainly a positive. However, when you look at the standings right now, the Islanders have fallen back again into third place in the Metropolitan Division. Right now, the Islanders 27-12-4 through 43 games. That's 58 points. Washington still in first place, 30-11-5. That puts them uh, seven points ahead of the Islanders. Pittsburgh, 27-12-5. They have 59 points. One point ahead of the Islanders. Islanders still with one game in hand. So they can, you know, make back that point. And then Carolina, uh, just two points behind the Islanders. They're 27-16-2. But the Islanders have two games in hand on the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, You look at the stats from this game. 35 saves by Tuka Rask for Boston Islanders out shooting uh, Boston in this game, 37-33. 30 saves for Simeon Varlamov as he takes the overtime loss. You look at the stats for the Islanders, Matthew Barzal, a goal and an assist. He's the only multiple point pl- uh, player in this one, Matthew Barzal wins four out of five faceoffs for the Islanders. Casey Sezikis, seven out of 12. Leo Komarov leads the Islanders players with six hits in this one. And Sezikis and Komarov each blocking three shots. Ice time-wise, the duo of Letty and Pulak really uh, getting a lot of ice time. Nick Letty out there for 26 and a half minutes, 26 minutes, 29 seconds officially to lead all Islanders. Ryan Pulak, 25 minutes, 29 seconds. Among forwards, it was Beauvillier leading the way with 19 minutes and 14 seconds of ice time. Brock Nelson close behind with 19 minutes and 6 seconds. Overall, though, uh, a bit of a disappointing loss for the Islanders. Their win streak comes to an end, although they do now have points in three consecutive games. With this overtime loss, Islanders now 13-3-3 in their last 19 home games. And uh, they are, as I mentioned, on a 2-0-1 point streak in their last three games. 
This, by the way, was Barzal's 10th multi-point game of the season. And the goal for Scott Mayfield, his fifth, uh, is his new career high overall for uh, Scotty Mayfield. So that is certainly a positive right there for the New York Islanders. And look, we're, we're coming up right now on an important stretch of games for this Islanders team. This is going to be a busy week ahead. And the Islanders, in the middle of that battle for, you know, playoff position as we reach the second half of the season, they're going to have to come up with some big plays. We'll see what they're able to do. But looking ahead at this week's schedule for the Islanders, um, Rangers at Madison Square Garden Monday, hosting the Red Wings on Tuesday, Thursday hosting the Rangers Saturday the Capitals, uh, also a home matinee uh, on in the case of Saturday. And then next Sunday in Carolina against the Hurricanes before going back a week from Tuesday to Madison Square Garden to face the Rangers. So in the next, you know, nine days, six games for the Islanders, three against the Rangers, Five of the six are divisional games. This week may very well be one of the most important weeks of the year for the Islanders up until this point. All right, we're going to step away. We still have this date in Islanders history, plus a preview of tonight's game at the Garden against the Rangers. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to January 13th, 1981, Nassau Coliseum, Islanders, the defending Stanley Cup champion Islanders, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Midway through the first period, Islanders draw first blood. Bob Bourne is 21st of the year from Butch Goring and Anders Kaller, and it was 1-0 Islanders. That's how it stood after 20 minutes of this game. Oh, by the way, Greg Millen in goal, for Pittsburgh, Chico Resch in between the pipes for the Islanders. In the second period, Islanders get going on the power play. Mike Bossy, his 42nd goal of the year, with Rod Shutt in the penalty box for tripping. He gets his 42nd Bossy from Gillies and Stefan Pearson at 107. Then, later on in the period, Brian Trottier, his 16th from Bob Lorimer and De Dennis Potvin at 16:28, and the Islanders had a 3-0 lead. But later on, uh, Bob Nystrom serving a too-many-men-on-the-ice penalty for the Islanders, and the Penguins take advantage on the power play. George Ferguson, his 15th from Randy Carlisle and Mario Faubert, and at 18:38, 3-1 after two periods of play. But the Islanders go back on the power play. Ron Stackhouse was called for tripping late in the second period. The power play continues into the third, and it's Bossy, his second of the game, 43rd of the year from Trottier and Clark Gillies at 126, and it's 4-1 to one Islanders. But the Penguins got back in this game. Anders Kaller was called for cross-checking, and the Penguins' power play comes through. Rick Kehoe, his 31st from Paul Gardner and Mario Faubert at 2.53. That made it a 4-2 game. And then Rod Shutt at 5.36, an unassisted goal, his 15th 
made it a one-goal game. Islanders lead only 4-3. to three. But late in the game, Ron Stackhouse of the Penguins called for holding at 17:42, and the Islanders cash in. Bossy, his third of the game, on the power play from Dennis Potvin and Stefan Pearson, his 44th of the year, and Bossy adds an empty netter at 19:24 for good measure. Trottier and Gillies on the assists. Bossy, as of January 13th of 1981, had 40. Five goals on the season. Bossy with four goals. Gillies with three assists. Brian Trottier, a goal and two assists. Dennis Potvin and Stefan Pearson also with multi-point games in this one. 30 saves for Chico Resch to earn the victory on this date in Islanders history. January 13th, 1981. Islanders beating the Penguins 6-3. to all right, coming back now to the present day. Islanders going to face the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Rangers, I think, have been what a lot of people expected them to be. An up-and-down, inconsistent team. They've got a lot of young players on their roster. And those young players really, uh, you know, sometimes the Rangers can play with the best teams in the league. And sometimes they lose and just look really bad doing it. The big news around Madison Square Garden lately, uh, goaltender Igor Shesterkin, their top goaltending pro- uh, prospect, called up, wins both of his first two starts. Uh, he is 2-0 with a 3.01 goals against average and a 9.26 save percentage. And that's big for this New York Rangers team uh, because, you know, right now they may look to trade a goalie, Henrik Lundqvist getting up there in years. Uh, Shesterkin was saying he wasn't happy still being in the AHL where he was dominating. And it's very possible the Islanders will be facing him rather than Henrik Lundqvist, who played uh, Saturday in the Rangers' loss to the Blues. So Lundqvist, 9-10-3 on the year, a 3-1-8 goals against average and a 9-0-7 save percentage. Lundqvist, probably a future Hall of Famer, but right now a very average goaltender. The big offensive players for the Rangers are Temi Panarin, has been by far their biggest weapon. 24 goals to lead the team by a large margin, and 62 points to lead the team by a large margin. He's also a plus 19, and 15 of his 62 points have come on the power play. Ryan Strom, the ex-Islander, next in line with 41 points and second on the team with 29 assists. Tony D'Angelo, Mika Zibinijad, Chris Kreider, all among the top scorers for this New York Rangers team. We take a look at their line combinations. Zibinijad, the top line center with Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich, uh, on his wings, Ryan Strom centers on Terry Panarin and Yas- uh, Jesper Faust on the second line. Uh, Philip Cheadle uh, is the third line center with Brett Howden and Capo Caco, the second overall pick in this year's draft on his wings. And then Greg McKegg centers Brand- uh, Brendan Smith and Stephen Fogarty on the fourth line. Brady Sh- uh, uh, Shea and Jacob Truba are the top defense pairing. The veteran Mark Stahl and Anthony D'Angelo on the second pairing. And then Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox make up the third 
pairing Brandon uh, Brendan Lemieux still out injured, but for the most part, the Rangers right now are a healthy team. Anytime the Rangers and Islanders meet, it's an exciting time. Should be a good one at Madison Square Garden. Rangers, again, 21-19-4 on the year. Seventh place in the Metropolitan Division. And uh, that puts them 12 points behind the Islanders and uh, way on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. But again, when these two teams meet, you throw out the records and just sit back and enjoy what is usually a very good hockey game. Should be a dandy at the Garden Rangers and Islanders, and we'll have a full analysis of this game, plus a preview of tomorrow's game as well. So make sure you join us on the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. That's going to do it for us today. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya, whatever your podcatcher of choice is. It helps other Islanders fans find the show, and we always want to grow our Locked On Islanders family. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.